everybody. So good to see you guys. How about those little people dancing in the house? So sweet. Well, it's good to be back with you. When, um, when I was growing up, my dad had this funny little silly little thing he would say sometimes. And whenever we were preparing to like give a speech, you know, for school or my sister and Dale Carnegie or, you know, whenever you had to do some sort of public speaking, my dad would be like, well, here, I've got one for you. And he would rattle off this silly little thing. Maybe somebody knows it here. Maybe someone can join me in saying it. He would say, just say, ladies and gentlemen, horses and mules, and upside down piano stools. No one knows this. No one knows this. Okay. <laughs> just my dad. Okay. So ladies and gentlemen, horses and mules, and upside down piano stools. I come before you to sit behind you to tell you something I know nothing about. So pull up a chair and sit on the floor and let me tell you about the gentlemen's meeting tomorrow night for ladies only. No one knows that? No one knows that. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Thank you, Roger Rand. Well, it's one of those like silly things that my dad would always say, and all of my siblings and I, I'm one of four, we can all quote that to, to you today, just what I just did, and um, we just all remember him saying that. I actually asked him this week on Marco Polo, I was like, Dad, where did that come from? He's like, well, I think when I was a kid and I was my first, his first job was at a grocery store and he would, you know, bag groceries. And he said the owner of that grocery store taught him that. So there you go. Somewhere in Rockford, Illinois, some guy with a grocery store. <laughs> but as I was preparing um, this message today, because we're in a series called The House of Belonging, last week Perry kicked it off talking about what it means to belong to God, coming home to God. And today we're going to talk about what it means to belong to yourself, to belong to myself. And then we'll be talking about what it looks like to belong to others, with others. But as I was thinking about this topic of belonging to myself, I, <laughs> I kept thinking of that phrase from my dad's silly thing. I come before you to sit behind you to tell you something I know nothing about. So <laughs> that is today. I'm here to talk about belonging to myself, but the truth is, right, in some ways I, I come before you to sit behind you to tell you something I know nothing about. Because here is why. I would say in a way like my whole life, maybe yours too, my whole life, has been a quest for belonging. And I all too often seek to find my belonging through external things. Things that in one way or another involve performing or proving or posturing, all of which keep me hidden from you. I think like everybody, I want to belong. And my way of achieving that so very often has been to become just totally externalized, like hyper-vigilant in taking care of everyone and everything, rather than accepting my belonging, receiving my belonging on the inside as a gift from God, as a gift from God, and from myself with God, and from my home team, rather than being anchored in God, and who God says I am, and who God made me to be, I very often find myself seeking to gain belonging through external things, 
And that, as you may well know, is no way to live. So I would just say, like, my lifelong work, not just like one and done when I came to faith in Christ, but like a spiral ever, ever going deeper into the triune God who is a God of belonging, who created us in belonging for belonging. Almost like a spiral. It's, it's not like a one and done for me. Right? Like this is a lifelong work to, I would say it like this, come home to myself. So today in many ways, I tell you something I know nothing about. <laughs> there is uh, no house like the house of belonging. Carrie put it so beautifully last week when she just said, the house of belonging begins in our coming home to God, coming home to the one who created you and I in belonging for belonging. That's where it starts. And then it moves from there, belonging with God, to belonging to yourself, to be able to say, like, at the center of me is someone I long to know again. I long to love the things again that have taken me so long to learn to love. I long to come home to me in the sense of realizing there have been things I have done, and maybe you too, just to survive, ways in which I've become externalized, and in God, I want to come home to myself, who I am in God and who God made me to be. I want to know that place again. I want to know that girl again. I want to live wholeheartedly with others from that place of belonging to God and to myself. So belonging is, as we said last week, as we're saying again this week, belonging is first and foremost an inner work and reality. Now, it doesn't stop there, right? If it stops there, you're like the Lone Ranger, like I just, me and God, we did it. No, it doesn't stop there, but it does start there. Belonging is first and foremost an inner work and reality. It starts there. It doesn't end there, but it starts there. If I'm not anchored in God and who God made me to be, if I do not have a strong sense of whose I am and who I am in Christ, in my adult aloneness, in solitude with the Lord, then I will fall into at least two, probably a myriad, but at least two traps in relationship with you, with others. One of them is idolatry. One of them is codependency. In a sense, they're the same thing, right? It's like arrogance in relationships or excessive neediness in relationships. Idolatry is when I put so much pressure on the relationship I put so much pressure on other people or groups of people in expecting them to bring me home to myself. That is not their job. And then I blame them when I don't feel I belong. Codependency, on the other hand, is this excessive neediness. In a sense, it's the very same thing. It's, it's when I expect others to bring me home to myself. That's not their job. No one can do that work for you. So belonging is first and foremost an inner work, an inner reality. Now, we named this series The House of Belonging. Some of you might know that that phrase comes from a poem by David White, The House of Belonging. I'm seeing a few nods. And this summer when we were on our study leave, 
at the lake in Wisconsin, this poem became very meaningful to me. It, I mean, I read it many dozen times out on the kayak, in the woods. In fact, this book <laughs> has like wax spilled on it because the kids tipped over a candle and it has, you know, coffee stains on it and there's probably a mosquito smushed in here somewhere. But this, this poem was kind of kind of like saving my life this summer. And this, this poem is, um, it's, it's really about, it's called The House of Belonging. And it's really a poem about what it means to come home to yourself, to create in you a house, a house of belonging, where you invite your friends to come. You invite your friends to come to the house of belonging that you create in you. You create in you with the Lord, anchored in who God says you are, anchored in who God made you to be. So I want to read this poem to you. Um, right now, the house of belonging. I awoke this morning in the gold light, turning this way and that, thinking for a moment it was one day like any other. But the veil had gone from my darkened heart, and I thought, must have been the quiet candlelight that filled the room. It must have been the first easy rhythm with which I breathed myself to sleep. It must have been, the prayer I said, speaking to the otherness of the night. And I thought, this, this, this is the good day. You could meet your love. This, this is the gray day. Someone close to you could die. This is the day you realize how easily the thread is broken between this world and the next. And I found myself sitting up, in the quiet pathway of light. The tawny, closed green cedar burning round me like fire, and all the angels of the heavenly, heavenly, housely heaven ascending through the first roof of light the sun had made. This, this, this is the bright home in which I walk. This is where I ask my friends to come. This is where I want to love all the things it has taken me so long to learn to love. This is the temple of my adult aloneness, and I belong to that aloneness as I belong to my life. There is no house. There is no house like the house of belonging. If we don't first come home to God, and home to ourselves, we will surely not be able to belong well <laughs> with others. You know, all of your experiences and, and mine from childhood until now have shaped the way in which we approach relationships. That's our posture towards one another. And if we're not aware of how we seek belonging with one another or avoid seeking belonging with one another then we'll find ourselves like sabotaging the very thing that we actually want. One important piece of self-knowledge in this journey of belonging is just to consider, like, how do I approach relationships? How do you approach relationships? When you encounter other people, when you go to a group, when you go to a fa family gathering, when you enter into a church or get together with someone, how do others experience you? 
What's the particular way in which you relate to others? David Kim, in his book, Made to Belong, says there are kind of like four main dysfunctions in our journey to belonging, four main ways we approach one another, avoidant, anxious, aggressive, accommodating. Maybe you'll find yourself in one of these, right? Avoidant is really just the, the person who is quite walled off. It's the person who says, I can survive on my own. I don't really see the value in putting that much energy in community and belonging in relationships anyway. Pretty good by myself. It's the person who maybe even says, others are not worthy to belong with me. So this is, you know, when you're, when you're finding yourself just really needing your space, avoiding people, avoiding conversations. You're thinking, that's just going to drain my energy. And in a sense, you're secretly asking the question inside in an avoidant posture, do I really need others? Like, is pursuing relationships really that, is it really that um, worth my time? My energy can become avoidant. Now, anxious, anxious is when we approach one another with fear and with caution. Often there is a bit of shame that causes us to be withdrawn from others. And we're kind of secretly asking, like, will others truly accept me? I'm not sure. Will it be okay for me to belong here? I don't really know. Makes me kind of anxious. Now, aggressive is that posture of kind of pride and strength. In relationships, you move towards others out of pride and strength, and you think to yourself, like, I get to choose who gets to belong with me in my circle. And sometimes this posture can lead us to, like, sabotage relationships with um, our need for control or our anger. We're kind of secretly asking ourselves in this aggressive posture, like, can I be weak? and still belong, I'm not sure about that. It's like a genuine question of the heart underneath that posture. If you're accommodating, then you're really like a people pleaser, right? Love to please. And it's like, I will become whatever I need to become to fit in here. And really, you're secretly asking, like, what does this group or what does this person want me to be so that I can belong here? In Genesis 16, this passage that Josh just read, which is our scripture passage for today, we have this story of these three people, Abram and Sarai and Hagar. And um, I'm going to read this passage to you again. And as I do, I want you to just think about these four categories and think about the people in this story. And ask yourself, which of these dysfunctions in the journey of belonging is each person in this story bringing as they navigate their own desires to belong. So who's being avoidant? Who's being anxious? Who's being aggressive? Who's being accommodating? All right. Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave, Hagar, gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar. She conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. And Sarah said to Abram, you are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my slave in your arms, and now she knows she is pregnant. She despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Your slave is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think best. And Sarai mistreated Hagar. 
but she fled from him. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from? Where are you going? And then in a way from the mistress, she went into Sarah. So you probably noticed uh, Sarah's aggressive posture. Like she couldn't conceive. So she tells Abram, here's what's going to happen. And then she blames him when Hagar gets pregnant. And maybe you notice that Abram is kind of like avoiding a difficult conversation and then accommodating whatever Sarah says, whatever she wants. And he accommodates so much that they together end up harming Hagar. Now, Hagar runs away from this very toxic family. You could say this is like an avoidant posture, but nobody can blame her, right? No one can, it's totally understandable. And yet, once she is far away from this abusive situation, this toxic situation, safely far from her abusers, the angel of the Lord comes to her and asks her to examine, like, what she's really doing. And in the desert, the angel of the Lord strengthens her to face the very things that she is avoiding. Now, all four of these dysfunctions are leading to harm for the person and to others. And they do with us, too. It keeps us hidden, right? In belonging, we want to be seen and known. We want to feel four things. We want to feel safe, secure, seen, and soothed. That's what we're looking for in belonging. And any time you are in relationship with others and you do not feel safe or seen, or secure, or soothed. Anytime you have that combination of like isolation and overwhelm, it doesn't, you know, there's so much chatter these days about trauma, little T to big T. Obviously, there's war, there's all this. But anytime you have that combination of isolation and overwhelm, that is pain to the human soul. Because we were created by a God in belonging, for belonging. And what we're looking for and longing for are these places, these pockets, these people with whom we feel safe and seen and secure and soothed. So all of these four dysfunctions, they're in a way, they're just ways in which we hide in order to survive. And all of them, every single one of them is rooted in fear. Each one brings strain and destruction to ourselves and to others. But here's the thing. As we come home, as you come home to yourself, as I come home to myself, who God says I am, who God created me to be, in Christ we're invited into another way. David Kim calls it the anchored way. Last week, Carrie talked about having an internal roots system. I love that the anchored way, the internal root system. The anchored way looks like this. You are calm and you are confident in who you are. There's an openness and there's a humility toward relationships. And at the exact same time, you have strong boundaries. You have wisdom to see and navigate what is healthy, And what is toxic? This is not easy work. 
this business of being human. <laughs> you're, you're able, when you're at home to yourself, you're able to say this truth. This truth that says, I am created to belong and I need others. In fact, can we just all say that together right now? I am created to belong and I need others. Like the goal is to anchor both parts of this truth statement at the same time. Because on one hand, it's worthiness, right? I am created to belong. My creator is triune, is a three-in-one belonging. I was created in God's image. I was created in belonging, for belonging. I'm worthy of belonging. On the other hand, I need others, right? This is not just a me and Jesus journey. It's not a Lone Ranger thing. I need others. There's a frailty in that where it's like holding worthiness and frailty at the same time within our journey. Worthiness says I'm created to belong. Frailty says I need others. If I only hold one of these, it leads to either arrogance or excessive neediness. I am worthy of belonging and I need others. So in this story in scripture with Hagar, I mean, think about Hagar for a moment. Man, Hagar was a non-Israelite slave living in a culture. She was totally ignored, treated terribly, treated like a lower class citizen. And yet she deeply understood that God is not distant, that God is not absent. Even though she was rejected by everyone, even though there was no place where she experienced true belonging in this story, she knew nonetheless that God saw her. She knew God had her. And that became her beginning point of being anchored in this story. Later in the story, she says these words, to God, you are the God who sees me. I have now seen the one who sees me. She's given a name to Yahweh. You are the God who sees me. And this is where the inner work of belonging begins. And perhaps a step for you and I this week is, is really just to borrow Hagar's words in your own time of prayer or quiet meditation. God, you are the God who sees me. From my very first heartbeat until today, until my very last breath, you are the God who sees me. With you and only you, God, am I fully known, fully loved, no fear of rejection. You are the God who sees me. There are these lies, right, that come into our heads. Do not believe the lie, Hagar would say. Do not believe the lie that says you are all alone. Do not believe the lie that says no one loves you. Do not believe the lie that says you are too much or not worth others' efforts. You were designed in love to be loved. And true belonging begins in coming home to God and ourselves. And then believing we need each other. We create this house of belonging, right, with the Lord inside, and then we expand the circle. And then we have our home team. And then we have our body of Christ communities of faith. I mean, we go out into the, may all of the nations belong in you, God. 
But it begins with this internal work, this internal reality that created the belonging. We need each other. The scriptures also say it like this. In Christ, we, though many, here we are many, though many, we form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. We belong to one another. When one member is hurting, we're all hurting. This is the body of Christ. This is the teaching of scripture. Jesus modeled for us this anchored posture when he came to earth, when he walked this planet. In Matthew 4, uh, we see when the devil tempted Jesus. You remember that story? The devil comes and tempts Jesus, and he tempted him by challenging Jesus to prove himself through external things. This is the temptation. But Jesus refused to be externalized. He didn't need to prove his worth. He didn't need to prove his value because he already knew who he was. He already knew whose he was. At his baptism, he had heard those words, you are my beloved son. In you, I am well pleased. And he was anchored in that. And it allowed him to face challenges while remaining calm and confident. Even Jesus, though, had a home team of people, like Jesus, we should never confuse Jesus with John Wayne. They're not the same. <laughs> he didn't live independent, self-sufficient, lone ranger life. That is not, even Jesus needed people. Even Jesus had the 12, even Jesus had the three. When Jesus was sad, when he was sorrowful, when he was facing agony and death, he says to his friend Peter, he says to the two sons of Zebedee, will you come be with me? Right? There's a frailty in that. There's a neediness in that. There's a vulnerability in that. There's a worthiness. I know who I am. I'm created for belonging. But I also need others. I can't do this alone. So belonging is first and foremost, it's an inner work in reality. It's the work of being anchored in God, who God made you and I to be. And that leads to calm, confident place, being at home to yourself, this is my house of belonging. And from this anchored posture, I admit, I need others. I see myself both in worthiness and frailty. I'm created to belong and I need others. And if you guys think I sound like I know what I'm talking about right now, just remember, I come before you to sit behind me to tell you something I know nothing, very little about. But, but Step by step, right, day by day, grace upon grace, thanks be to God, I'm learning these things over and over and over again. So I hope you are too. Can we pray? God, you are the God who sees us. You see us in our joys and in our tears. You see us in our fears. You see us in our worthiness shining so bright. You see us in our frailty needing one another so badly. God, will you bring us home to you? In fact, right now, in prayer before you, we come home to you. Where else can we go? It's you who holds the words of life. Thank you, God that you tell us who we are. Thank you that with you, God, we are fully known, fully loved. No fear of rejection, no fear of abandonment, 
no fear of betrayal, no fear at all in you because of your perfect love, right? And in your perfect love, all fear is cast out. So God, would you anchor us in your love? Would you strengthen us in your love? Would you help us to see clearly who you've made us to be? Would you bring us home to ourselves, God? Would you help, God, would you help each body, like physical body, would you help each body in this room, each body that is a temple of your Holy Spirit, a dwelling place for your spirit, God, would you help each body in this room to build a home within themselves with you, a house of belonging on the inside, where they might come to know again the unique one and only that you created when you created them. And then, God, might we each build a house of belonging right here inside ourselves with you, God? And then might we allow, might you allow us to, to invite friends in into that home? Might you allow us, God, to be a blessing to the nations in that home? That home we build on the inside that then moves to the outside. We pray all this in the powerful belonging of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God and family for us all. Amen.